Hello, love, and welcome back to another episode of the Well Then Podcast, a show where we take a mind-body-spirit approach to living our most vibrant and love-filled lives. For those of you who are new here, I am your host, Megan Scherer. I am a licensed holistic therapist and relationship coach, and I love talking about all things love, mental and emotional well-being, self-care, all the practices that can ultimately make us feel more at home within ourselves, the things that make our lives feel a little bit juicier, a little bit more grounded, more balanced, more of all the things that we hope to experience. And I'm really excited to dive into the topic that we're going to explore in today's episode because it's something that is very personal to me. It's something that I struggled with and and was experiencing for a long time. And it's something that I encounter so many women who struggle with this as well. And I've worked with a lot of clients who have faced this issue in their lives, and I think that there's a lot of value in transforming this particular pattern, and that is the pattern of perfectionism. Raise your hand if you are currently a perfectionist, or maybe you are a recovering perfectionist. This episode is going to be all about lessons that I learned as a recovering perfectionist. I like to say recovered because honestly, the way that I used to relate to life when I was so stuck in that cycle of trying to control everything and needing everything to be perfect, to be just right in order for me to feel good enough. Oh man, I I have so much compassion for that version of myself and I feel like that was such a distant part of my past even though I've seen this pattern show up in many different ways in many different chapters of my life, a lot of the lessons and tools that I'll talk about in today's episode, I've been so diligent about implementing and practicing to really transform this because I could see that perfectionism was holding me back in a lot of ways, which is so interesting. It's kind of counterintuitive. We think that perfectionism is serving us. We think that it's helping us to become better and to get more of the results that we want in life. But the reality is that it often limits us. Perfectionism keeps us boxed in to very like strict, stringent requirements and expectations for our life. And honestly, all the good parts about life, all the good stuff doesn't happen inside the confines of a small box. Life happens, the best parts of life happen in the messiness, in the unpredictability, in the uncertainty and the things that, wow, you had no idea it could ever turn out that way, but you're so glad that it did. That happens when we loosen our grip and when we let go of the need to be perfect and to strive to get everything right all the time. So I'll talk a little bit about how perfectionism showed up for me first and then get into some of the lessons I learned and what we can kind of do to reframe our relationship with this part of ourselves, with this aspect of our personality, which ultimately, as we'll talk about, is really just kind of a coping mechanism. Um, But for me, perfectionism showed up from a pretty young age. Um, Definitely, you know, I can remember as far back as like, early adolescence, you know, middle school, high school years and beyond, um, I experienced a lot of perfectionism in the realm of my grades and academics and feeling like I had to get perfect grades. Otherwise, uh, it would be the end of the world. Like I 
am not kidding when I tell you there were occasions that I legitimately cried because I got a B plus instead of an A. Even an A minus didn't feel good enough. And you know, you might think, oh, you must have had really strict parents who put a lot of pressure on you to get certain grades. And that's not the case at all, actually. My parents gave me a lot of um, leniency and flexibility and room to, to kind of take ownership over my life, including my relationship with school. I was the one who was putting that pressure on myself. Um, I saw it show up a lot in the realm of pretty much anything I would set my mind to, whether it was a job, a club, a hobby, like if I was going to do it, I had to be the best that I could be at it. And in a sense, it can show up, it shows up for a lot of people as competitiveness, that like needing to be the best. For me, it was less about being in competition with others and more about like, if I wasn't doing my absolute best and my best wasn't good enough, then I felt like there was something wrong with me. And certainly perfectionist tendencies showed up in my relationship with my body as well. Many of you know that I have a history of um, recovering from an eating disorder, and that was a lot about perfectionism and control as well, you know, trying to eat the perfect foods and have the perfect body and work out in the perfect way and all those things. It's a conversation for another time, but that was probably one of the bigger ways that I saw perfectionism show up in my life and and felt like my self-worth was greatly affected by um, the actions that I was taking in the realm of my body and body image, um, and then the results that were showing up as well. And lastly, perfectionism was something that I saw show up in the realm of my relationships as many other people do as well. I felt like I had to be like the perfect girlfriend or the perfect friend or the perfect daughter and had to get everything right in all these relationships in my life. And if I ever did something wrong or made a mistake or got in trouble, made somebody upset, God forbid, I would lose it. I had no ability to regulate big emotions around feeling like I had messed up in some way. And so in a lot of ways that caused me to hide parts of myself and to feel a lot of shame. Like if I did feel like I made a mistake, I could never admit it or own up to it because I was so afraid of the consequences of that action. And so that leads me to explain a little bit about what perfectionism really is, because I think it's important that we understand this. It's easy to look at somebody with perfectionistic tendencies and on the surface say like, oh, just relax. Like it's not that big a deal. You don't need to have the perfect body or perfect job or get the perfect grades or like get everything right all the time. Like just chill. (laughs) And for people who have this sort of personality trait, it is not usually that they actually care about that specific thing. Like it's not necessarily about the body image or about the actual tangible result. It's much more about the idea of control. Perfectionism at its core for most people is a cover-up for a lack of feeling safe. There is some way that you do not feel safe within your life or within your body, or within your relationships, and perfectionism shows up as this tool to help you feel more in control, and you think that if you're more in control, then you'll feel more safe, and then you'll feel at ease, and then you'll feel at peace, like as long as you can make sure everything goes just right, 
then you'll be enough and all will be well. And, you know, we know that this is often tied back to a history of um, trauma, neglect, abuse, or just feeling like you can't be your full self, express your full self in your relationships early on in life. And it's, I think, such a fascinating thing to consider because when you realize like, oh, wow, this part of me, this perfectionism isn't showing up to like make me feel like shit. Like it's not showing up to be mean and judgmental and harsh and tell me that I'm not enough and I'm not doing enough and that I'm not good enough. It's actually showing up to protect me. It's a part of my psyche that is showing up in my life in order to help keep me feeling safe because I have a history of not feeling safe. And when you look at it from that lens, it's first of all, a lot easier to have more compassion for yourself to take a step back and realize like, oh, okay. Like I'm not just, I'm not crazy. I'm not somebody who is broken or there's something wrong with my personality. There's actually just this really powerful internal part of me that has been trying to protect me in this really smart way all these years. And what if I could start to look at it from a different angle and understand that, you know, this, this pattern isn't serving me anymore as much as I would love to think I could control everything. I am willing to admit that I can't. And if that's true, then I need to explore other ways to feel safe. I need to regulate my nervous system enough to feel safe so that I'm not always in fight or flight, always trying to control things and like on edge about what's going to happen next. So in that realization, there is a lot of freedom to actually learn from perfectionism and to learn from this part of yourself that has been trying to serve you and trying to protect you. And I'm going to share, like I said, a few of the lessons that I've learned as a recovered or recovering perfectionist. So the first thing that I think was a powerful realization for me was that in trying to constantly do everything just right, I actually did a lot of things quote unquote wrong. And I put quotes, air quotes around that because I don't necessarily believe that anything that we do in our lives or the ways that we show up are inherently right or wrong or good or bad. I think those types of labels and um, comparisons and black and white thinking are what the perfectionist brain really loves to latch onto because it's clear cut. When we have black and white thinking, we know what's right, we know what's wrong, and we want to do the thing that's right and avoid the thing that's wrong. When the reality is that life happens like in the in the gray zone, in the ambiguity, in the subtleties and the nuance. And so when I say that I did a lot of things wrong, what I mean is that If I were more present in my body and feeling safe and more attuned to what it is that I authentically wanted to experience, rather than just trying to do what I thought was the right thing, the best thing, the thing that would get me the most validation, approval, love, safety, etc., I would have made different choices. And it's easy to, to say that now, to look back, you know, in my early 30s and to look back on where I was at in my 20s or in my teen years when I was really struggling hardcore with perfectionistic tendencies and to see with this sort of, you know, 2020 hindsight, oh, okay, yeah, I would have done that differently. Like, wow, okay, if I had felt safer and more grounded, I would have made that choice 
differently and that relationship would have played out maybe a little bit better. And so, of course, we can't go back and have regrets. We can't change what we've done in the past, but we can use that information to make new choices in the future. I can be more attuned to, am I making this decision? Because I feel like I should, because I feel like, oh, this is the right thing to do. This is the thing that's going to gain me the most approval. Or am I making this choice because it feels authentic for me? So it becomes kind of like a new litmus test or a new compass to help guide you in your decision-making abilities when you stop trying to do everything right and just instead do what feels best in the moment, what feels most aligned and authentic and feels like your next best step, even if it doesn't make any sense on the surface, even if it's going to piss some people off, even if it's going to cause discomfort, you are working on feeling safe enough within yourself to know that somebody else's discomfort isn't your job to fix. You just have to make the choices that are best for you. Another thing that I learned from perfectionism is that there's actually nothing that I could ever do or achieve that would make up for a lack of self-worth. So this is another um, one of the big factors of perfectionism, as much as lack of safety and um, nervous system dysregulation, I think, is a big part of it. There's also lack of self-worth. When we have low self-worth, we feel like we constantly need to try to prove ourselves, to prove why we're worthy, why we're lovable, why we're good enough. And we try to do that through our external achievements and success and accomplishments and actions and habits. And that can go hand in hand with like busy syndrome, you know, hustle and grind culture, feeling like you always have to be busy and doing things and be productive in order to be good enough. And most of us know, or if you've, you know, been self-reflecting and maybe been on a self-care or healing journey for a while, you know that that is a recipe for burnout. When you're only doing and striving and achieving and pushing yourself in order to make up for a lack of self-worth, you are going to hit a wall eventually, you're going to burn out, and you're never going to achieve what you were hoping to achieve, which was feeling good enough about yourself, feeling worthy enough about yourself. So when I realized that, and I had to like really change my whole paradigm of how I viewed life and take a step back and say, wow, like my college degree or graduating with honors or getting the best job or starting a business or being in a great relationship, none of those things, no matter how wonderful of an accomplishment they may seem, could ever actually make up for my not having high self-worth. I had to build a relationship with myself where I started to believe in my inherent worthiness. Like, even if I didn't do or achieve anything, I would still be worthy. I had to make that shift in order to um, really come into that space of, of safety and of groundedness and of being able to care for myself from an authentic place rather than pushing myself from a perfectionistic place. Which I think leads into another important lesson that there's some, uh, there's some nuance to this one. There's a quote um, that... I cannot remember who said this, so I apologize, but it's something along the lines of self-esteem is built through esteemable actions. So this quote and the person who said it essentially was trying to communicate that the feeling of self-esteem and confidence 
is built from actions that convey that you are somebody who shows up for yourself. Essentially, like it's about, it's about embodying the version of you who has high self-esteem. Like you don't necessarily get high self-esteem by taking a bunch of actions that make you feel like shit. Like, you know, if you're just always numbing out and dissociating with watching TV and laying on the couch or eating in ways that don't feel good for you and constantly doing that and never taking care of yourself, of course you're going to have low self-esteem. It's not to say that any of those actions are inherently bad, but if that's all you're ever doing, then you're not actively building a sense of self-esteem, which totally makes sense, right? Like you have to be showing up for yourself in really proactive ways in order to feel, feel good about yourself. I want to pause there to quickly distinguish between self-esteem and self-worth. Self-worth is something that is just intrinsic, inherent, that exists within you. You don't have to do anything to feel that way. It's just something you can tap into. You are inherently worthy just for existing, full stop. Whereas self, self-esteem is that actionable process of showing up for yourself as somebody who is worthy. Now, the nuance that I wanted to explore here is that I love that quote, self-esteem is built through esteemable actions. Yes. But for me, there was a very fine line between esteemable actions and taking them because I actually felt good about myself versus overburdening myself with actions and habits because I didn't feel good about myself and thought that, again, those things would make up for that low self-esteem, low self-worth. And I think that that's true for a lot of people who struggle with perfectionism. So what that kind of looks like or plays out as is if you are somebody who takes good care of yourself and feels confident, like you might work out on a regular basis and eat foods that make you feel really well nourished and you know you get to sleep on time and you have a general sense of balance with all of that. Like if you miss a workout, you don't beat yourself up for it. And if you're traveling for a while and your sleep schedule is off or you're eating different foods, you know that that's just part of life and that doesn't impact your self-esteem or self-worth. Whereas if you're somebody who's really struggling with perfectionism, then missing a single workout or eating a single meal out that is not what you'd normally eat or overeating or, you know, going to bed too late can feel like they crush your self-esteem and self-worth because you were only ever taking those actions to make yourself feel a certain way instead of the other way around, feeling that way and then taking the action as a result of the fact that you're embodying self-worth, if that makes sense. So I think distinguishing where that line is for you is really important. And this kind of lends itself to a couple ideas that I've spent a lot of time talking about lately and have made a really big impact in my life. And that is first that sometimes you have to actually get out of balance in order to find balance. So somebody who has spent most of their life pushing themselves so hard and striving to do all the things, to do everything right, to do all the practices and the habits and, you know, showing up as the best possible version of you. Somebody like that is going to either slowly or maybe all at once have to start practicing life on the opposite end of the spectrum, which means more rest, less doing, 
less productivity, more being lazy, like intentionally lazy, having days where you don't do anything but binge watch a Netflix show just because you're giving yourself permission to do that and to see what it feels like because you've never given yourself permission to do that before without totally beating yourself up for it. And I think the fear for a lot of people is, well, if I let myself do that, then I'm just going to like totally fall apart and, you know, I'm not going to have the life that I want anymore. I'm going to be lazy and I'm never going to do anything or I'm going to eat too much and then my body's going to change and like we start to spiral out of control. When the reality for most people is once you give yourself permission to be less productive, to be imperfect, to have flaws and own them, to embrace your shadow qualities, to be lazy, all the things. Once you know that you have permission to do all of that, you lean into it when it feels good, but you also take care of yourself in ways that feel really good too. I've talked about that a lot before with people who um, have struggled with like the binge and restriction cycle uh, in their relationship with food. And they feel like, well, if I give myself permission to eat whatever I want and eat like quote unquote bad foods or foods that I've labeled as bad, then I'm just only ever going to do that. And then I'm going to spiral out of control. But it's more so when you give yourself permission to do that, there's no more emotional charge around it. Like when you know that you can eat the donuts or the ice cream or whatever, whenever you want them, you don't want them all the time. And you eat them when you do and you stop when you're full and it's no big deal. Eventually, that's the place we get to. So that's the same idea with recovering for, from perfectionism is that we might need to give ourselves permission to just be totally lazy and relaxed and like not do a thing even for just one, one day, one weekend at a time in order to come back to what a natural level of balance actually is for us. Once we've experienced both ends of the spectrum, then we can find what our happy middle ground is. And again, everyone's really different, but that was something that I really learned that it was hard for me. It was hard to go from identifying as somebody who worked out like three hours a day and pushed my body crazy hard all the time to somebody who just did gentle movement and went on walks and just did some gentle stretching and adopted that identity. It was really uncomfortable for a while. I knew I needed it though, because I was experiencing injuries and illness and like I couldn't sustain the way that I had been pushing my body before and that level of physical perfectionism. And ultimately when I got to experience both extremes and then eventually found my middle ground, I realized like, oh, wow, okay, I needed those experiences to appreciate where I am now. So yeah, that's just kind of an invitation to explore what that is for you. And it, it builds into the last sort of lesson that I think is important to touch on or reflect on. And that is inviting yourself to blend the energies of softness and self-discipline. So we usually think that it has to be one or the other. Like either we're super disciplined and motivated and pushing ourselves all the time, or we're really soft with ourselves and, and forgiving and compassionate and relaxed and we don't hold ourselves to very high standards and we think that it has to be one or the other and it, it really doesn't. And in fact, blending the two is such a beautiful space to live from. 
when you blend the two, it helps you actually tune out all the noise of of all the things that you were doing just because your perfectionism told you you needed to and instead refocuses you and refocuses your priorities on what really matters for you and what really makes an impact for you. So you actually stop wasting your time on meaningless habits and meaningless activities and you get a lot more juice and richness out of the habits and actions and activities that are most aligned for you and for this season of your life and giving yourself permission to have that change in different seasons and chapters of your life, depending on what your needs are at that time. So it's something to consider if you're somebody who has always been super self-disciplined, then what would it be like to bring in some softness, to bring in a little bit more compassion and flexibility and self-love and adaptability? Maybe that would help you feel a little bit more at peace in your life. And if you're somebody who's already always been really soft on yourself and you've never pushed yourself hard or experienced what discipline feels like, maybe bring in some of that energy. Like what does structure and routine feel like for you? Does that help you build your sense of self-esteem? And just pay attention to the fine lines of that conversation. Just notice when you come up against edges and what feels most empowering and liberating for you and what feels restrictive which I think at the end of the day is kind of what I wanted to communicate here, which is that perfectionism is this thing that tells you it is, you know, helping you become better when really it's actually restricting you and keeping you small and confined. And again, like I said earlier on, like the best parts of life happen in the unknown, happen in the messiness and the unpredictable moments. And when we let go of our rigidity and our attachment to needing to be perfect, that's when we get to experience those things. That's when life gets to surprise us and delight us and show up for us in really cool, fun, unexpected ways. So I hope this was supportive for you. I I was really excited to share it because I see, like I said, so much perfectionism in the women that I speak to in my practice and on social media and This is your reminder that nobody is perfect. So if you are striving for it, you are striving for it in vain. (laughs) And it's a good opportunity to reflect on what your perfectionism has been trying to do for you. Like how has this part of you been trying to keep you safe? Um, And how can you give it a new role? How can you allow yourself to show up with that balance of softness and self-discipline and come more into a place of groundedness in your authenticity and your truth and then pay attention to how that changes every area of your life it will change your relationship with your body your romantic relationships your friendships your career all of that will begin to change when you um, change your relationship with the perfectionistic part of you so if you know somebody who might benefit from hearing this conversation, I always recommend sharing episodes with them. I'm such an advocate for sharing resources. I love sharing podcast episodes that I've listened to and enjoyed with friends who I think would enjoy them. I love sharing book recommendations and all the things. If you are also looking for more support in this process, um, my self-guided therapy app and mental health community for women, the self-care space actually recently launched a whole new format of accountability challenges called 60 soft, which is exactly about this idea of blending softness with self-discipline. And it's about creating some structure to, 
um, our self-care practices and check-ins, but making it flexible and adaptable and working with your life and not making you feel like a failure if you don't show up in a certain way every single day. So we've created some really cool free templates, um, a notion template, some digital planners, some really cool graphics and habit trackers to help you, um, kind of support yourself on this journey. And then if you want more hands-on support and accountability, you can join the self-care space, which is a really affordable and accessible, um, mental health community with lots of wonderful resources like self-guided therapy toolboxes. We do live events and workshops, group coaching, and all sorts of things. So I'll link all of that in the show notes. If you want to go check it out and get the free downloads, um, and also get a free trial to the app, and you can come chat with me in some of our live events there because I love getting to interact with you guys. It makes me so happy. And of course, if you're looking for more one-on-one support, I will link um, my website as well with my one-on-one programs, which are more uh, high-level, in-depth, hands-on coaching and holistic therapy um, to heal some of these patterns and work with these parts of yourself. So I hope you are having a beautiful day. Hope you take some time today to rest and to support your self-care in a way that feels loving for you. And if you have any suggestions for topics for future episodes, go ahead and send me a DM on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok. I post lots of fun content over there as well. And I'm excited to um, talk to you all again very soon in our next episode. So as always, until next time, have a happy, healthy, and love-filled day.